Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Your Time with James Sweetman. Thank you for tuning in. I'm delighted this week to be joined by a special guest, Shirley O'Neill. And Shirley is my first guest uh, for 2021. Let me give you a bit of background on Shirley. I first met Shirley many years ago when she was the training manager for a large pharmacy chain. She went on to be the head of talent management there. Currently, she's the Senior Management Manager for Content Development and Author Partnerships with Social Talent, a leading e-learning platform. And she also lectures in change and performance management in the UCD Professional Academy. So, Shirley, you're so welcome. Thank you for joining me this week. James, what an honour. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. I know this is going to be a good conversation because anytime we meet up, we, we're, we're, never, we're never short of conversation. And, <laughs> um, and um, you know, I know this week there's, there's a few topics that we'll, that we'll look to explore, you know, from engaging staff and empowering ourselves to performance management when working remotely. But let's start with the, with the broad topic of, of change. And I know this is a subject that you lecture on. And of course, we're, we're living in a time of accelerated and unprecedented change at so many levels. And, and many people are, are simply struggling with all the uncertainty and change. So coming at it from this broad angle, Shirley, what sort of tips or advice would you have for, for those of us who are, who are trying to cope as best we can with all of this change? I guess the one thing I'd say, James, is that you're not on your own. Um, If my work in this field has taught me anything, is that we're all struggling on some level, Mm. um, (laughs) given the circumstances. Um, I think one of the the ways we can deal with change is first to understand our own reaction to it. Mm. You know, we all deal with change uh, differently. So I guess it's a key learning in terms of change. It's individual. And we all respond differently based on our experience, either good or bad. Um, If you feel you're struggling with change, either personally or professionally, um, one of the techniques I would recommend is that you write a list. You know, Mm. this is this is advice you yourself always uh, give, James, you know, ink it, don't think it. Ink it, don't think it. I remember that phrase from somewhere early. (laughs) So document all of the changes in your Mm. life, everything that's keeping you, you what's keeping you awake at night? What are Mm -hmm. you struggling with? Mm. Very specific. So, for example, personally, I really struggled this time last year. Mm. You know, I left a business where I'd worked for 20 years. I'd buried my dad Mm. and I discovered I had a tumor in one of my glands. So really huge life changing events. And then you throw in COVID. And I was struggling. Mm. So, you know, one of the things that helped me was writing that list because I found it, first of all, I found it cathartic. Mm. And the other thing it did was I was able to separate everything that was going into my life, on in my life. So there was grief. I was worried about my career, you know, mm. would I ever work again? Um, um, I'd, I was worried about my health and the surgery that I was facing. Um, and then this fear of how was I going to cope through this pandemic, you know, being separated from my family and friends. Mm-hmm. So Writing the list helped me to create actions. So when you start to think about what you can do, your thinking automatically changes and you start to take back some of your power and, mm-hmm. and you start to feel a little bit better. And the other thing that the list helped me do was to kind of put everything in buckets. So, you know, there was grief. So I, I, I attended some bereaving uh, mm-hmm. Um The career uh, piece 
when I left the company, they had paid for some outplacement support, which I never availed of. Okay. I took that up. I attended a job coach. Mm. And then I took the time to recover from my surgery. I was completely in overwhelm. And a lot of the time, you know, when we're struggling, it's this feeling of overwhelm. There's just so much going on. Mm. And if you can try to, to, to break it down specifically and understand what are the struggles and then what can you do about it? You know, what is the action you could take that might help? That can definitely help. And then, of course, if there's something on the list that you can't change, you need to cross that off. Yeah. Yeah. It's identifying where you have control and where you don't have control. It's such a it's such a simple but yet powerful technique that, Shirley, I think. I know I know in the past I've used that phrase, ink it, don't think it's in the context of to do lists and time management and whatever. But this 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 is more important in some ways. It's 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 giving you perspective on the scenario that you're in. You're it's getting it out of your head. Um Absolutely. Uh, down on the page where maybe you can you can view it. It's interesting as you were speaking because you know I I lost my dad as you know too. With when was that back in September? Um, I've had my own health challenges. Our, 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 we've a lot in common, and um, uh, one of the things that I find helpful as well is is what I label you know writing it out, which is not just W R I T E but R I G H T. It's yeah. like let yeah. me just let me just get it down on a page where maybe I have perspective on it, and and uh, one of the one of the things that I found myself doing more more naturally in that area then was was almost writing down the problem or the or the issue, but then somehow the pen would keep going and it would turn into something that I could do to maybe alleviate that or to turn it around. Um, yeah, and I've, I've I found that fascinating because you know maybe how would I say it, you know, our unconscious mind, if I use that phrase, it, you know, wants us to, to move forward or wants us to, you know, to deal with it or to feel as good as we can. And, and, we, and, and it's almost like the, the pen on the page opens the door to the wisdom that maybe that sense of overwhelm just blocks. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. But yeah. thing, James, what you've done very generously is you shared your story with people. Mm. And I guess... Uh, you know, I, I, I do the same. You know, if I'm talking with students about change, I tell mm-hmm. them about my own experience. And, and what you do is, first of all, y- you give them some, some perspective in terms of, you know, what, what does change really look like? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, in sharing your story, you give other people the opportunity maybe to, to, to voice theirs. Yeah. To learn from, from your journey. And I think that's a great gift. Yeah, it's the it's 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 humanity. You know, it's that old yeah. phrase of we're all just walking each other home anyway. I can never remember where yeah. that came from, but but in, in a in a with a business hat on for me that also, you know, it falls under the umbrella heading of authentic leadership. It's like you know, there's an authenticity to that. It's like, well, hold on, I am struggling here, and I need to ask for help. It's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For so long, you know, stuff like this was taboo. You know, mm-hmm. keep it to yourself. It's private. You don't talk about how you're feeling. You don't say that you're struggling because it's a sign of weakness. Yeah. Um, and I guess students who who signed up for the change management course were quite surprised that I would share such personal stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but again, you want to really learn about change, then this is my experience. And, and yes. often people don't really 
understand, you know, why, why, why am I having this lack of energy? Why am I not sleeping? Mm. You know? um, they've, they've pushed it down. Mm. You know? They've pushed their feelings down and they haven't really confronted them. And then when someone says, well, actually, this is what struggling with change looks like. These are yeah. the different types of change we all struggle with. Yes. In my experience, people kind of a little light goes off and say, oh, my God, you know, I feel I feel the same way. That's exactly why I felt like that, you know, or that. Yeah. And, and it's it's empathy and yes. it's it's um, how to say it, it's learning from each other as well. And it's just it, it's real. Yeah, it's yeah. it's real. And um, and, and for me. Uh, the word vulnerability comes into play there somewhere too, but it's we can often be scared of vulnerability because we view it as weakness. But but for me, vulnerability is is like the doorway to what you know true authentic empowerment is. Um, it's and it's also part of you know bringing your heart into it a little more. Which if we look at say pure resistance to change, which I'm sure is something we'll look at shortly or we'll chat about in a minute. Um, you know, we, we we respond emotionally to it. It's not all just the the logical, rational side of it. Um, uh, yeah, fascinating. Now, I know, Shirley, that there are different frameworks out there um, from from many different sources, theories on change um, that that can that can be like scaffolding for supporting us through it. Um, um, have, have, is there any ones that you've come across that you found helpful or if you've shared them with people that they've, that they've related to? Yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of my favourite, in terms of understanding the emotions that mm. transition through change, it would be John Fisher's process of transition. Okay. Now that's based on the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross model. Or the oh, okay. And any of your listeners, they, they can Google that. Um, mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we talk about a bell curve, you, you look at the shape of the bell and then yeah. you turn it upside down. And, you know, the process of transition um, outlines all of the emotions that can present as we move through change. So, you know, at the start, you know, if there's a big change, you know, talk about, the you know, the pandemic, let's say. Mm-hmm. We start maybe to feel anxiety because, you know, there's this lack of control. You know, this big thing is happening and there's nothing I can do to change it. Um, some of us might have um, a fleeting feeling of happiness because I don't know, maybe you're one of those people who've seen this coming and, you know, you get that feeling of happiness. At last, something is going to be done. Mm-hmm. About it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the reality sets in and you may experience fear, um, fear of the unknown. You know, how is this going to affect me? Mm-hmm. Again, think in terms of organizational change, you know, um, we experience fear when there's huge organizational change, like a restructure, maybe redundancies, you know, and, and then the other emotion we can experience is threat. Mm-hmm. You know, is my career uh, being threatened? Is my status being threatened? Threat as well can be about how people see us. So there's huge changes happening in my life. How is this going to affect me? You know, how is this going to affect everything that I know about myself and how other people see me? And again, another example, you know, I, I, I was in a role for 20 years and I left a business. Mm. That feeling of threat, you know, who am I now? Because so mm. much of my identity was wrapped up in that. Mm. That can also lead to guilt. You know, we, we, we turn these feelings inwards and we start to feel guilty. 
you know, maybe we got anxious around the change and maybe we were angry. We acted a way we weren't proud of. Maybe we made a mistake at work and, you know, you, you just keep replaying it over and over again. And, and we turn those feeling in, feelings inwards and, and guilt can, can give rise to depression. And, yes. mm-hmm. you know, when, when that feeling of depression that hit me, as I spoke about earlier, it was like this feeling of hopelessness, you know, like I, I, I couldn't find any joy in anything and and the first step i guess if anybody's feeling like that is to recognize it Mm. and and ask for help Mm. um and again if you think about you know the pandemic and how it affected us as i was as i was transitioning through that with the rest of of the world you know i would go out for a walk and i would see maybe grandparents in a garden looking out the window at the grandchildren Mm. i'd have to turn back i'd have Mm. to turn back i'd get myself so emotional Mm. so um you know, with the right help and support, we can gradually accept whatever this change is and we can begin to move forward. So as I said earlier, I got bereavement counselling. I got, you know, I, I, I worked with a job coach. I started to look after my health, get get a bit of air. And when we're talking yeah. about organisational change, um, um, some people, you know, they get disillusioned and they actually leave the business because the change is just too much for them to cope with. Mm. It's not, good fit for their values and they decide I'm going to go. Another way people leave the bell curve is denial. Mm. And if you go back to the pandemic, you know, how many people thought that it was just a big, you know, conspiracy theory. Yes, you know, yes. This is not real. They've, they've invented this, mm. you know, so they go into denial. Um, they just can't deal with it. It's too big. Um, in an organizational um, context, some people get hostile. Yes. Hostile to the change. Now, how do you know the difference between somebody who's angry and someone who's hostile? You know, hostile people have a lot of energy to spend, Mm. you know, and they use it in a very disruptive way. They use it to block the change at every opportunity Mm -hmm. they can. So I guess, you know, understanding and looking at these models puts a name on all of those emotions that we're feeling. Yeah, I, I, I always find, how would I say it, you know, being able to label something, Shirley, it's like, yes, I'm feeling uh, depressed or yes, I'm feeling grief today or grief has visited me, as I sometimes phrase it. It is, it is fascinating, the parallels between Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work, um, which originally, if I'm, if I'm right, was to do with grief. Am I right yeah. on that? Yeah. Yeah, the five and, she yeah. this bell curve yes and and how it relates to change because i think we're hotwired as humans to associate change with a sense of loss um, um and then how would i say it um both both personally i can relate to this and then also in organizations you see so much of the resistance to change for want of a better phrase is based on fear and uh, some people respond externally aggressively hostile as you were saying or anger and then others internalize it um um you know and it's still it's still a heavy weighty emotion and i often think also it's to do with them uh, how would i say uh, taking back control where we feel the change has has uh, has disempowered us in some way um it, it is a fascinating 
uh, fascinating topic. I was smiling to myself because there's a phrase sometimes I use, Shirley, when um, when change is happening in organisations, you know, where some people will resign and leave, whereas others will resign and stay. Yeah. Um, um, which which is which is also that external internal. Uh, response to change. I'm so glad we're having a chat about this because it's so relevant. I think not just from an organizational perspective where maybe traditionally that's where we we deal with change, um, but but it's everywhere at the minute, economically, in society, uh, within our own little, you know, units as well. Um, if, if we think of um, uh, change and um, particularly in organizations and we've touched on it already but I'm sure you've been you've been asked so many times how do you deal with resistance to change um, and what have been some of your experiences over the years Shirley around um, uh, you know if you're in an organization and you're a manager and you're you're looking to instigate a new process or that but you're coming up against resistance What's, what's some of the, the ways of approaching that that you have found uh, useful in the past? Well, I guess the first point I'd like to make, which is really important, is that organisations don't change. People change mm. or they don't. Right. There's, there's a tweet, Shirley. There's a tweet. Oh, that's a that, 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 that one that one I'm writing down I haven't heard it said as succinctly as that before you know we talk yeah. about organizational change all of the time and and and, and it kind of frustrates me because organizations don't change people mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. you know so I guess you're you're a manager you've got a team you're responsible for implementing a change whatever it is it might be technology it might be a process and you're meeting with resistance. So the first thing you need to do uh, is to listen and ask questions mm-hmm. because there may actually be a valid reason for this resistance. You know, mm-hmm. there could be a gap in something that you've done. Maybe you've missed something. So I guess really, really important to to seek to understand, you know, um, and ask questions, you know, in terms of what is it specifically in terms of the resistance and is there something uh, valid in it, something mm-hmm. that you missed. And broadly speaking, you know, resistance, you can you can you can put it into two buckets. People will either be resisting the content of the change. So right. maybe like it's technology, maybe it's, I don't know, um, efficiency measures, mm-hmm. or they may be resisting the process of the change, how it's actually being carried out. And even asking that question and getting that information, it really helps because then it facilitates a conversation where you can actually dig deeper. Yeah. You know, how can I adapt this plan to address your concerns? Because you're actually quite happy with the content of the change, but but where this resistance is coming from isn't how we're implementing it. Mm. Maybe mm. we haven't thought enough about how we can support you in terms of a training support. Um, maybe there's something, you know, that we've missed. So if you can ask those those questions or try to find out is are people resisting the content of the change or is it the process and how the change is, is happening? Mm. And I guess the goal is always to include people at yes. every level, every opportunity you get, you know, ask questions and listen. Yes. Because as humans, we're more likely to adapt to a change that we've helped create as opposed to feeling like this change has happened to us. Yeah, it's just been imposed upon us. I always say that. I think it is a quote somewhere as well. You know, people don't resist change. They resist being uncomfortable. They resist change being imposed upon them. Um, And and as ever, it's about conversations. 
Sherry, I often say that myself with groups. It's, um, you know, there's no getting away from having conversations with people, but it's, it's, it's exactly what you said, because it is, it's people who change, it's not organizations. And, you know, just because something, some beautiful process is designed on a spreadsheet doesn't mean it's going to be adapted. Um, um, yeah, yeah. There's many things popping off in my head. One, one is a story, and this is bizarre where this has popped in from, Shirley, but I remember doing a workshop with the group and it wasn't on the topic of, um, of change. Um, but over break, uh, one, of the, one of the men in the room and he was, let's say, um, uh, he was a good number of years working in this organization. And, um, you know, he was giving out about some new uh, technical changes. Um, and they were trying to bring in a, an automated process to something that was manual beforehand. And I was just, you know, listening to him and, and we, were, we were talking. And of course, I could see that ultimately, you know, it was a pattern of fear. Um, yeah. You could never say that, but like he was concerned about having expertise in the way it was uh, and competency in, in, in the years of doing it manually and maybe probably felt had some power and authority around that. Whereas now it was going to be more automated and maybe wouldn't require his his knowledge or that to the same extent. And um, it was resisting the technology side of it. And I wasn't aware of that great distinction you mentioned, Shirley, between content and process. Yes. Um, but I remember saying to him, I said, gosh, well, you know, with technology, sure, things are always changing with technology. And I said, uh, you know, what phone do you have? Taking a chance that he had a modern iPhone. And, uh, and of course, he takes it out. And, and I said, gosh, and there's always upgrades and there's new apps. And I said, just look how easily you've adapted to that. Um, and I said, I'm sure this new technology that's coming in can't be any more complicated than what we've adapted to with mobile technology. So you could see a little bit of a light bulb going off. And I think that's one of the things that maybe if if a manager or a team leader is open to, if you get discussion going, maybe there's a parallel that you can draw or an analogy that you can give that gives the person maybe an opening um, to, um, uh, to move forward. It's a bit like in, you know, that great phrase, the, you know, the customer is always right. Yes. Um, sometimes I'll apply that to say, you know, staff or that as well, you know, they may not always be right, but they're always looking for a way forward. Um, and uh, of course it comes down to the more senior person to, um, to maybe help them find that. Yeah. Gosh, the keeping it with sort of, um, sort of the, the work hat on, Shirley, and I know you're the same as me with this, and there's so much work now that we're doing from home. Uh, we're recording this podcast, of course, from our homes. Um, um, <laughs> one of the things that I'm so grateful for is that I, I, I've had a home office for years. So in that regard, there hasn't been too much change, whereas Whereas Brian, who's been working from home now for nearly a year, has had to make do with the dining room table. <laughs> Bless him. But, but he does tidy it away every night because um, we have to eat at it as well. Um, but in terms of working from home, there's been a lot of tips out there for, say, productivity in working from home or, or living at work, as the, as the phrase is perhaps more, accurate, uh, more accurately said. But one of the areas that hasn't maybe been touched on quite as much 
is the performance management or the, the staff engagement piece when working remotely because, you know, the team leader or the manager is maybe not in the same physical space as, the, as, as their people, as their team. Is there any best practices that you've come across in that area, Shirley, or anything that you would recommend? Yeah, yeah, just simple things, James. That 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 we can do when we're managing teams. It is a challenge. Mm. Um, so so the first thing is agree ways of working um, because everyone's situation is different. Mm. So basically, you know, one to one, ask each member of your team, just ask them the question, "What's going to work for you?" Okay. So I remember uh, speaking with the lady, and herself and her husband were working from home, young family, and. She got up at five and she worked until 12. Right. At which time she took over with the children and he worked from two until six. And okay. then she went back online. Tough, tough. Mm. But they were the hours that worked for her. Mm. You know, the other thing I would say in terms of performance, tell people how their performance is going to be managed. Mm. You know, um, tell me, you know, how, how I'm going to be measured in terms of my performance. Um, tell me, tell me what, um, what do I need to achieve what am i working towards focus on outputs long-term yes. short-term goals yes. what are the big big goals for the team for the organization that we should all be aligned and working towards focus on results not activity it's not about micromanaging how many hours you know surely i'm trying to get her on the phone yes. together mm. i'm monitoring her you know on trello she's she's only been on for four hours today you know keep the focus around results it's not about the activity again um, team meetings, you know, to mm. share updates and always in consultation. What's mm. going to work for you guys? How many times mm. a week? How long? What time? What support do you need? If these are our big goals, you know, don't forget about development. Mm. What do you need? Um, if someone's struggling on the team with, with a task or, or whatever, this is a great time to reach out for you, for, to the other team members, you know, leverage them. Maybe something I'm struggling with you know, James is great at doing so. Maybe mm. he could help me with that. Mm. We're we're all and we're all you know struggling on some level, mm. and and because of that, it's it's helped with our empathy and understanding. Yes. And I think people are a lot more willing to help and row in. You know, you just have to ask and communicate it. Yeah. Um, in terms of communication, those those team meetings, James. What I found when you've a lot of people on a call you need to agree a system so everyone has a chance to speak. And it might be just something as simple as putting your hand up. But yes. I know I've been on a few calls and they have been frantic. People talking <laughs> over each other, people interrupting, you know. So, so in summary, you know, stay in close contact with your team, really get to know them. And one of the gifts that this pandemic has given us is it's forced us to adapt our management style. Yes, absolutely. It's mm. more, it's more, you know, it's more, we're, 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 we're speaking from our bedroom or a kitchen table. Mm. So it's given us the opportunity to really develop our relationships with our, with our team, with our colleagues and, and, and be more open. Yeah. So I guess use that, connect with your team, understand what works for them, make sure they're clued in in terms of what they're going to be measured on. So in three months, these are the things I need to know that you've achieved. That's what you'll be measured on. Yeah. The big yeah. goals of the, of the organization. Ask for help. Agree what works for the team and just stay in touch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I agree with you completely, Shirley, because I think, I think what this new way of working or all the, this change that we're, that we're still living through it's it's heightened. Um, how would I say it? It's it's 
um, it, it's heightened or maybe at minimum, it's an invitation to uh, look at existing habits of how yeah. teams are managed or how we interact with people. And, um, uh, but, but yet the basics are still so important. You know, that delivery of certainty, where do you stand? What am I being measured on? Yeah. Um, um, but one of the fascinating things that, um, that, that I think has really come to light is the, um, the invitation where you have to demonstrate more trust. Yes. Um, and, you know, the, the old belief of, gosh, you know, are, are my staff really at home now with the feet up watching classic Coronation Street in the afternoon or something? Um, I have to trust that they're actually um, uh, showing up and doing what they're, you know, they're required to do. But it is that critical shift between focus on, on time logged on versus output and, and results. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of years and years ago when I was maybe young and cocky, Shirley. I used to have a screensaver back when I was employable as well. But um, <laughs> I used to have a screensaver that said, you know, I'm paid for what I do, not the length of time it takes me to do it. Well, wow. <laughs> and, and sort of 25 years later, it's maybe more relevant than ever. <laughs> Great example of change. <laughs> I used to have another screensaver as well. When I think of it, it's like, oh my God, I'm blushing even saying it. Um, uh, you know, if, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Um, because I, I remember, you know, getting certain positions and maybe people were raising their eyebrows because of my, my youthful years. But, but those days are, are behind me for sure. Oh gosh, Shirley, we could chat all day. Um, if, if, if maybe we look at that area of, um, you know, working remotely, say individually, um, and, and, and the challenges that, you know, we all have to deal with, you know, even say from your own experience, is there anything that you found that has worked well uh, for you, either productivity wise, or maybe even more importantly, from your own management of your own well-being, a topic that, that is always close to my heart? Yeah, I guess you need to know what works for you. I'm a morning person. Mm -hmm. So I know I'm going to be at my most productive in the morning. So if I've got like what I would call energy work, you know, maybe it's, 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 it's a big meeting, maybe it's development work, maybe it's mm -hmm. research. I try to do that in the morning. I guess if you're struggling, if you're feeling a little bit isolated or cut off, because you must remember, you know, on the one hand, we have people working from home who are challenged because, you know, the kids are, are not yes. at school. So, you know, you're trying to balance, you know, schooling, homeschooling yes. and, and your work. But you've also got a, a lot of uh, a lot of us at home, you know, maybe living in apartments, yes. sharing apartments and, and sitting at the coming from your bed and sitting at your kitchen table, yes. going back to your bed. And that can be really, really challenging. Mm -hmm. So I guess make sure that you connect with your team, with your colleagues, reach out if you're struggling, if you're feeling isolated. Um, lots of organizations have employee assistance programs. That's true, yeah. And uh, as, a, as an employee, there's a duty of care mm. uh, from your employer in terms of your emotional safety, health and well-being. And these are free. And I would say, you know, don't be afraid to ask about an employee assistance program because um, if you're struggling, they can really help. They're confidential service. And I guess what I would say to you again is you're not going to be the only one putting your hand up. A lot of people are availing of this kind of help. Um, and please, please do. Please do reach out. You know, yeah. be kind to yourself. 
what what are the things that cheers you up? You know, have your little toolbox. You know, I love to have a bath. I love to have a bubble bath. Mm. I love to listen to music. Um, I find, you know, I love to have a phone call with my sister. So mm. if you're feeling isolated, you, you really have to make a plan. You know, yeah. you really have to put some energy into 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 finding out what can you do, you know, to, to help yourself. Because, it, 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 you know, as humans, sometimes we just sit in it and, and, and it just gets worse. So yeah. recognize it for what it is. Reach out, you know, get some help if it's available. And I have never seen anything like the amount of help online. Change. That's true. It's, That's it's true. So much you can Google anything, and and you know, yeah. pages and pages of stuff will come out. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. There's there's a lot of resources there. Yeah. I I know I know myself though. There's some days where it's like I I couldn't be really bothered even yeah. to look for those resources. Um, and and maybe in those days I used I used to beat myself up over them. Um, and that of course achieves nothing. Um, yeah. uh, but I've sort of labeled them, you know, I'm just having one of those days or it's, I'm having, you know, two or three of those days. And, and as bizarre as it sounds, but I've used, I, I use the phrase, and I don't know where I picked this up from, but it's like my weather forecast. So although I'm looking out at rain and wind at the minute, Shirley, um, you know, what's my internal weather forecast today? You know, are the dark clouds there? You know, is there is there brightness there? Um, and and one of the things that I've I know I've spoken about this on several podcast episodes and um, and in blogs and that as well. It's it's so important that we have some sense of a wellness or a self care practice or ritual at the minute, whatever that is. Um, for for me, sometimes it's as simple, and it's something that I stopped doing, but I've started to do again uh, recently. Is I'd one of those in, not incense burners, oil burners, gathering dust in the corner of a bookshelf somewhere, and I different essential oils or whatever, and a few drops with a little tea light underneath underneath it, just changes the the aroma of the room. Something that's brighter, and yeah. and I'm breathing in something that feels a little bit more you know, sort of fresh or invigorating. And um, uh, and sometimes it's the simplest things like that, you know, or having a phone call with a good friend or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, because it is, you know, I often think, you know, our, our, whilst we're responsible for our own happiness, we're also responsible for our own, our own well-being as well. But that responsibility is really about how we, how we choose to respond um, is, is, um, is is perhaps what I what I drift back to. Oh gosh, Shirley, we we could have a series. I think I'm going to have you on monthly. It's like the 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 um, uh, yeah advice from Shirley. We'll call it. Um. <laughs> it's, it's nice when someone listens to you because kids don't they don't listen to me so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's been so many little nuggets of wisdom in there, um, Shirley, and you've been so generous with your time and your your advice. Um, I've scribbled down several things. I have circled organizations don't change, people change. Mm-hmm. Um, you should get that in inverted commas and stick it as a quote with your uh, with your name after it. Um, <laughs> I know when um, when, uh, when, um, when I chat with people on the podcast, there's a you know we often close with um, with, with a few questions that sometimes can lead into other discussion or it might just be a point of interest. So let's um, let's kick off. What's your most uh, cherished possession, Shirley? 
uh, I, I would have to say, James, um, the year before my mom died, the Christmas before she died, mm-hmm. uh, she sent us the most beautiful Christmas card. Okay. Uh, you know, she was in her full health. Um, she had been told that there was some um, spotting on her lung. Mm. And she sent this gorgeous Christmas card, you know, to my to my beloved daughter, son-in-law and, and grandchildren, mm. you know. And I just look at her handwriting. I take it out every year. It's eight years. Right. Perfect handwriting and the messages of love. And I cry okay. every year and oh. on the mantelpiece. It's the same way it was when she sent it to us. Right. Eight years ago. I had no way of knowing, you know, yes. that'd be the last Christmas card I'd receive. Yeah. But every year that goes on the mantelpiece and it will as long as I live. Oh, and that's, that's just something I'll, I'll wait for. There's a fire in the house. I'll run for that. You'll run for that. Yeah. My goodness. That's uh, that's beautiful and 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 I think fantastic that you kept it. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. Um, I, I'm the same with with a lot of cards. I have a box that I that I keep them in, and I know last year when my dad was unwell, and then my mom was the one who always signed the cards anyway. Yeah, um, but I was very aware, you know, at different times, whether it was my birthday or Christmas or wedding anniversary or whatever. I said, I suspect this will be the last one with his name on it, um, which it was. But they're all kept. They probably would have been kept anyway. But a, but a bit like that, they're, they've become even more precious, even more precious for sure. Yeah, gosh. Um, what, surpri- what, what, I was gonna say, what surprises you, Sherry? What inspires <laughs> you? <laughs> um, what inspires me? People inspire me, James. Okay. Yeah. You know, I love listening to people around their stories of how they've overcome hardships I love reading about it mm. documentaries all of those things those human stories where, yeah. where people have had you know unbelievable hardship in their life and they've managed yeah. to overcome that and, yeah. and you kind of think well you know what if they can do this you know I can I can do that I yeah. can I can overcome whatever difficulty I'm having in my life and then yeah. of course my other thing that inspires me is music I yeah. love music <laughs> Put on David Bowie. I'll put on Bob Dylan. I'll put on Bruce Springsteen. Born to Run, and right. I'll get out for my walk. And I, <laughs> I think I'm a teenager again. I'll be storming, singing along. along. Yes, yeah. singing the song. People thinking I'm mad talking to myself, but oh my god, music is a great mood changer for me. An energizer. Energy. You're right. Oh yeah, yeah. It gives me energy. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting there when you were mentioning about people's stories and the challenges they've overcome that you, you know, that you find inspiring, um, um, based on what you were saying earlier. And if you're sharing some of your own challenges, Shirley, when you're working with groups, you know, people see you inspiring in the same. People see you as a source of inspiration in the same way. Um, and I think that's the real beauty when we're brave enough to share our own struggles or challenges or to lean into vulnerability a bit because in the same way we're inspired by other people's stories when we're brave to share ours that's what people take from us and maybe to some extent you know even say from our chat today on on this podcast um yeah so that, that bit goes full circle so you're a source of inspiration yourself well, I never thought of it like that, James. There you go. Um, uh, you mentioned music. Is there any uh, anything that you're reading, learning, podcasts, articles? I'm always fascinated, fascinated with maybe topics that people are interested in or anything that they're currently learning. Is there anything there for you at the minute, Shirley? 
Well, 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 I guess my number one go-to podcast is yours, James. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, every, I, I listen to it. If I don't get to it when you release it, I'll make sure I catch okay. up with it. Thank you. Um, when I'm out walking, I love Brené Brown's podcast. Yes. I'm not I, I'm not averse to a little bit of a blind boy uh, podcast. Right, yeah. Um, with my new role now with social talent, you know, it's very much positioned as, as thought leadership. So yes. I guess there's a lot of stuff that 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 I listen to also, you know, work related to learn. Um so yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah. in terms of books, um one of the books I, I'm reading at the moment is what I know for sure, Oprah Winfrey. I'm oh, love it. such an easy read, you know? Yeah, you can dip in and out of it. Actually, I, I can see it. I'm looking at it here on my uh, on my bookshelves. Um, I have I've plenty of books, but in my in my office there's a there's a shelf that's within hands reach and it has about six or seven on them. If I like sort of need an emergency input of something. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of them. That's one of them. Yeah. Last, lastly, Shirley, I can't believe we're at the end of our chat, but if there was a quote or a motto or a saying or something that you just find comforting or that guides you or inspires you or that you lean on, what might it be? So there's a quote by May, May Angel, and it's, I go forward as one, but I stand as 10,000. Oh. The first time I heard that quote, James, it actually sunk into my soul because yeah. You know, I, I have, like everybody, various challenges, started yeah. a new role, felt overwhelmed. Yeah. And I remember reading that quote and thinking, you know, my mother, her mother before, her, yeah. my grandparents, you know, all working class people, yeah. you know, didn't have the opportunity to be educated. And I think of all of them and I think yeah. I've been given this opportunity. Yeah. It's yeah. not just about me. You know, I think of all the people who came before me yeah. that, that worked their whole lives to make sure that the next generation had it easier and had better opportunities mm -hmm. than they had. So whenever I'm scared, whenever I'm facing a challenge, I always say that, you know, I go forward as one, but I stand as, as thousands because all of the generations, all of my ancestors that came before me, all of the hardships they endured yeah. in life, you know, they did it for us. Yeah. We have these opportunities. And, and we need to remember that we're, we're not on our own. Yeah. You know? We're never on our own. We're always part of a team. Even if you can't see it, yeah. we're always part of a team. Oh, that's just, that, that has given me goosebumps as well. I, I, I was aware of it, but it's, you know, the way sometimes you read something but you, or you hear it, but you don't really take it in. But the way you've said it, 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 hit, it hits home for me for sure, for yeah. sure. It reminds me of something I, I came across only recently where, um, how would I say it? You know, we might have, you know, fear of delivering a presentation at a workshop or, you know, those, um, how would I say, modern day sort of um, uh, sources of anxiousness or nervousness. Whereas if you go back a few generations, not only would our lives be quite unrecognizable to them, um, but where we're in a situation where maybe we have a, have a voice or, you know, a platform that they never had. Um, and that's something that um, uh, we should never forget, I think. Yeah. For sure. It, it gives me strength, James, mm. and it helps my resolve. I have an yeah. opportunity here that my mother or her mother before her or, or my grandfather's, they never had. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
that's a powerful, a powerful note to, to close on, Shirley. Uh, thank you. I can't believe how quickly uh, our, our, our conversation has gone by. Um, and you've been so you've been so open and generous and and honest. And, and I've taken a lot from this, from 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 our chat. Um, and hopefully people who've tuned in um, uh, will do so as well. I know if if you if people want to connect with you, Shirley, you're on uh, LinkedIn, aren't you? So it's just Shirley O'Neill. Stick it into into LinkedIn and and uh, can connect that way and stay in touch with with things that you're doing and what you're learning. So thank you again. I really appreciate it, Shirley. Thank you so much, James. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this chat. I really have. Great. Thank you. So thank you for tuning in, everyone. Um, and my thanks again to Shirley for being so generous with her time and her wisdom. Um, and uh, more information about me, James Sweetman, is available on my website, jamesweetman.com. And of course, you can listen to um, previous podcasts on uh, whatever platform you use or through the podcast tab on my website as well. So thanks once again. And until next week week.